Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by First Watch. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. We got a lot of different things to talk about, as we usually do. Um, we're going to talk football, basketball, and booze. Let's start out, Kyle. Um, you got a chance to talk with EJ Montgomery's dad. I'm sure everyone listening to this has already read your fantastical piece on The Athletic about it. Um, but um, just kind of like go over some some main topic, talking points, and uh, but don't give it all away because you want people to read it. <laughs> yes, as our, as our good friend John Hill likes to say. Hi, John. Uh <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know the, the interesting thing is is obviously everyone that was sort of judging that decision before it was made uh, from the outside, us included, um, was looking at mock drafts um, and looking at the fact that he wasn't invited to the NBA Combine and apparently uh, to to the outsider wasn't invited to even the G League Combine and the thought was well he's not going to be drafted at all. What is he doing? How is this even a tough decision? Um, but he took it all the way to the deadline day, and his dad told me that it was a tough decision because they had uh, privately worked out for five NBA teams, um, and they had gotten from multiple teams in that group uh, what he categorized as very positive feedback to the point that they basically said we would strongly consider drafting EJ with our pick in the late first round. And it was five teams that all had picks 20 through 30, uh, including – the 30th pick, the last pick uh, of the first round, um, the Milwaukee Bucks. So, um, you know, I, that was interesting. Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland, which I think had the 26th pick, the Boston Celtics, which had a couple, has a couple picks in the 20s. Um, who else? San Antonio. That would have been an interesting fit for EJ. Like I could see. That working out in the long term, he he, I, he could, in my mind, I could see him be a Spurs guy. Um, yeah, trying to I, think who else. I, oh, real, Oklahoma real, City. Real, okay, uh, real quick, like side is, is kind of a side note. I saw someone else, and I wish I could remember off the top of my head uh, who said this, but I, uh, I just wanted to kind of point it out, and it's funny. Oftentimes, uh, people will say, "Oh, the Spurs, yeah, they'll take that foreign guy. They they love foreign dudes." I think the 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 guy that I got to see in the Bahamas. I don't know if you know this, Kyle. I went to the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> Goga, uh, uh, who played for uh, one of the foreign teams, uh, he's going to get drafted. And I heard on a podcast I was listening to going through a mock draft, they're like, oh, yeah, he can go to the go to the Spurs. They love foreign guys. I don't think – I think someone said they haven't taken a first-round foreign guy in like five or six years. Or maybe it's just been one over the last like six or seven. So the – the Spurs love the foreign guy concept is kind of uh, actually swung the other way. I feel like they're I now. Mean, yeah, I mean, Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili are like 75 years old now. Exactly. So we're, we're a little bit past that uh, that window. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's more about style of play to me. Like, EJ, I could totally see a, yes. you know, a skilled stretch for, uh, you know, developmental prospect work out in the long term in a place like 
the Spurs. And, you know, and the other appeal to that, if there was, if they really did feel like maybe somebody would take a flyer on him at the end of the first round, and we've mentioned this, like, I think, a few times, you go to a good team, <laughs> you know, like more more than likely, unless it was a trade where, like, like obviously Cleveland's not a good team, and they got a they threw some sort of trade. I think ended up with a pick in the uh, late twenties, but more than likely, you're going to a good team, or you'd love it if you're going to the Spurs, um, so or or Milwaukee or you know any of those other teams there. But um, so that made it clearly made it a difficult decision for him. Um, you know, the tough thing is. Uh, you're looking for a promise there, right? Like he made it clear in his little declaration, like that I'm going to go, uh, go through the process. If, if I get first round feedback, I'm out of here basically. Um, you know, and so they at least felt, and some people will roll their eyes and say, no, you know, they weren't serious about taking you at the end of the first round. They felt like there were teams that, that were that serious. That, and, and his dad said, if he had stayed in, that I think most of those five teams and some others uh, wanted to have him back again for a second workout. Um, so I think there was at least some general feeling that there was, there was seriousness, but he said they, they did not get a guarantee. They couldn't get anybody to say, we'll definitely take you, in part because they're going to be you know trades leading up to and on draft day, and those picks could go somewhere else, and then you, of course, can't guarantee it. So um, it's really, at the end of the day, it, it really did kind of go the way it went for P.J. Washington because his dad said really clearly all along, once he's a first-round pick and we know it, he's out of here. Until then, he's going back to school. And he took it to the deadline and made everybody sweat, but that's what it worked out to be. He couldn't get anybody to promise him in the first round. And I bet you P.J. Washington, who was a projected second-rounder after his freshman year, I bet when he went and worked out, he probably did have some teams say, we're thinking about you at the end of the first, but, but same deal, not going to promise it. And, um, and, you know, when I, when I heard EJ's dad talk and I tweeted about this, you know, I, it, it's hard not to hear PJ's story in that. It's hard not to think that that story has been told to EJ and a bunch of people probably by now um, from the coaching staff there in Lexington. Like, just look at PJ because his dad is, is almost quoting PJ's dad, you know, saying – you know, if they take you in the second round, they're not as invested in you a lot of times. That You know, you may go to the G League and it's really hard to fight your way out and the money and all that stuff. And, um, you know, the risk, the word risk, you know, do you want to risk it versus come back and know for sure? Um, and I absolutely think E.J. Montgomery is a guy who could play. It won't shock me if E.J. Montgomery plays well enough in year two that we go, of course, he's a first round pick now. Like, and it's no doubt. Um, it's, I don't think that's a certainty, but I, I can. It's, I have no trouble seeing it, um, and that's. I think that's where they ended up was go back to school and feel feel better about it. You know, feel more sure that you're in the first round. Um, and so that was to me that decision was really big for Kentucky because uh, you know Matt Norlander from CBS and some other people. I think Rob Doster at NBC been a bunch of pieces that have come out about uh, once the deadline passed about just how many of these fringe guys who kind of know they're either going to be like late second rounders or not picked at all um, decided to stay in the draft this year. And it was a record number. I think, uh, I think there ended up being like 80 some underclassmen that stayed in and that doesn't include seniors and foreign players. And there's only 60 total picks in the draft. So that's a bunch of dudes knowing that they might not get picked. And if they do, it's going to be late. Um, without teams being you know super vested in them and that's 
obviously a pretty big talent drain on college basketball. When those second-tier guys, who if they came back, could be stars in college basketball, elect to leave. In addition to the stars that are, le- you know, that are already the, the proven stars that are leaving. Um, and so, in a year where that really blew up nationwide, that trend. It's interesting that that year is the year that Kentucky has all the all the fringe guys decide to come back because they've been bitten by that book so many times recently. But this time we talked about a couple podcasts ago, they didn't lose anybody to the draft that shouldn't have gone for the first time in what three or four years. Yeah. So I mean, I think the pretty significant. I think the one thing that kind of like what what PJ and EJ's fathers both said. And I think why you can draw, uh, like, you know, hey, these things sound pretty much the same. It's because they're logical, man. Like that's what I, <laughs> right, right. That's what I was like, kind of harping on when, when the the, the Tony Delka comments came out, and I guess uh, I was told that those weren't completely what Tony meant to say. So you know, uh, we talked about that when EJ decided to come back. That I, I feel like we might have been in that vacuum where we were just wanting to hear hearing anything and once we heard something we just kind of went with that um but both of both uh uh pj and ej's father paul and ephraim um i it is kind of ironic i guess they're both juniors right that's where the j yeah, both of paul. Them. correct yeah P, pj is paul paul jr uh and ej is ephraim jr it's exactly right and they both they both also issued the uh, periods between their initials they want to they just want to be just the letters they ain't got time so, for punctuation. So they are. Exactly. I love it. I love it. It makes it so, it's so much more functional. It's so it's so much easier to type. Yep. It's great. Um, and so, like, both of those guys have basketball backgrounds. I think that they just logically thought it out, made the best decision um, as families. And I'm super excited to see another year of EJ Montgomery and see where his ceiling goes. There's been some back and forth on what people think he will be next season. We'll break down that a ton as we go through this offseason. Coming up next... Uh, let's do some some talk about the SEC um, now allowing alcohol sales in stadiums. Um, but before that, I do want to tell you guys one thing, and that is that we are having a live show at Grassroots Pharmacy on Wednesday at 12 noon. We'll be there about I'll be there about 11:30 setting up and everything. So come by, hang out. We'll have a little speaker. We'll have a nice setup. You can ask any questions you have. Uh, so this Wednesday, which is June the 5th, come on out. Come say hey. Come say hi. Uh, Kyle won't bite unless you ask him to. Um, <laughs> and then we'll have a grand old time. And you can check out a Grassroots Pharmacy, which is a fantastic sponsor. And thinking, speaking of fantastic sponsor, First Watch is a sponsor of this episode. And Kyle, you had a, uh, are doing some traveling right now with the fam and you had an interesting little a little nugget uh, when you drove by one of the first wash locations in today. Yeah, I was getting the car washed on the way out of town on Richmond Road, and uh, I passed by what is now the the uh, the compound. Uh, all we all of our sponsors decided they wanted to get together. <laughs> uh, La Rosa's first watch. Uh, and Skyline Chili, and it is now a compound. All three of those are door-to-door-to-door. In fact, the uh, First Watch and the La Rosas are attached in one building now, and it's a beautiful new location. And the I believe the First Watch is the newest of the three over there. Is that right? I think I think the First Watch just opened. But uh, 
yeah, the line when I drove by it, the line was out the door and around the building. So uh, it seems like things are going well over there. And uh, saw we I got a tweet from one of our listeners who said that the million dollar bacon was as advertised, uh, and it is delicious. Again, it doesn't cost a million dollars, but it tastes like a million dollars, and we eat it every time we go. And once you eat it, there's pretty much no other bacon anymore for you because you just can't eat normal bacon once you've had candied bacon, which is essentially what million-dollar bacon is. So it's a great place, and I'm glad to see uh, Lexingtonians are uh, supporting the 900th location of First Watch. I was commenting to my wife that it must be a super popular restaurant in Lexington because I think there are now like five locations. (laughs) It's like in every corner of the city. It's pretty impressive. They're open. They're just a breakfast and lunch spot. They're open from 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. every day. So check out your local Lexington First Watch because it's delicious. Because First Watch, yeah, it's fresh. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk about the alcohol sale issue that was um, voted on in Destin. or Sa- What's the difference between St- San Destin and Destin? <laughs> some pretentiousness i suppose okay because uh, i keep like uh, i there's like dueling date lines that i keep seeing yeah. from all these sec things and sometimes people well, sand uh, yeah. no, no. anyway that's neither here nor and there. like orange beach alabama is all it's all right there it's all one big beach it's the redneck riviera i think is what they call it awesome. uh it, it's i mean it's pretty great down there i actually go down there with family uh to orange beach uh every just about every summer, so uh, it's all it's all one big uh, beachy southern area where uh, all the beaches are a competition of uh, SEC. This all ties together. SEC uh, tailgating tents. You'll see the you know on the out on the beach. There's the there'll be usually Tennessee. I would say Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU fans are probably the loudest and proudest out on the beaches of Florida, Florabama, as it were. And there they the SEC voted and announced that alcohol sales would be allowed, I guess what they say, starting August 1st. So this football season um, and going forward, it'll be an individual decision for each school. There were some restrictions, including the fact that they will not be sold in stands. They will be at stationary locations in concourses. Uh, there will be limits on how many an individual can buy. Um, it would just be beer and wine, no hard liquor. And there will be timed cutoffs, like in most uh, venues, I believe. In basketball, it will be the under-12 media timeout. In football, it will be the end of the third quarter. Um, Kyle, I I think you're on the side of this is about time, right? Yeah, I I think, you know, I think you can make arguments against it. I think it's a really sensitive subject at a place like Kentucky right now, given – the alcohol-related accident that took the life of a little boy uh, during a Kentucky football game this year. Um, And Kentucky football has been touched through the years with some alcohol-related tragedy. They used to have the battle for the beer barrel, I guess, with Tennessee before my time and um, discontinued that trophy after a a drunk driving accident. And so, um, you know, I, I get the arguments on both sides of, of the thing. Um, and some schools, interestingly, I think Auburn and Alabama are among the schools that have already said they're not uh, going to sell alcohol, even though they can. Um, 
Kentucky, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, has so far just basically said we're going to be looking at it over the next few months and figure out what's best for us. Yes. Um, you know, the only thing I would say about it is whether you do it or you don't do it, I'm for consistency. I think it's been ridiculous that it's okay to sell it in your elite club level, you know, spaces to your rich fans. And essentially you say, we can't trust the common fan to drink alcohol responsibly. (laughs) I mean, that to me is outrageous and kind of offensive. Uh, Either everybody can do it or they, or they can't. But, and so I'm glad if this, if this rule makes it uniform and everybody can drink or not drink, whatever, I'm fine with it. But I've always found it, um, but kind of obnoxious <laughs> that it was like made that there was this loophole for the rich fan yeah. and the common fan had to be like, well, too bad. We don't, we don't trust you to drink uh, responsibly at a sporting event. Yep. Uh, I, I agree. And I think that there are many measures that can be taken and um, everyone's saying, well, they're just after it for the money. Well, yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> correct. Uh, they, they are like, there is no re- re- rebuttal to that. Yes. They want the money <laughs> is what it boils down to. Yeah. And you know, it, hypothetically there could, you could go further even and then have like an official beer of UK sell that sponsorship. Now that you're selling beer inside a, inside a facility there, I am of the mindset that uh, this is something that's happening and you might as well profit off of it and maybe turn some benefits. I think I was reading, it was John Clay's article uh, from actually earlier in the week before the vote was made official, and I think he referenced um, a program, I believe it was up in Indiana, where they donate back money um, to some programs about... um, alcoholism and and safety programs as well and so like some good can come of this overall Kyle which I think uh probably will help uh, help a ton who with people who are against it and understandably so uh maybe maybe kind of be at least okay with it and not you know view it as a complete evil well yeah and I mean you could make another argument that it may actually curb or slow down some of the binge drinking because look, people are going to, if they want to be drunk at a game, they're going to get drunk. And the only way to do that, if you can't buy it in the stands currently is to just pound it out in the parking lot or be sneaking it in. And I think, you know, people certainly overserve themselves heading into a game knowing that they can't buy something in the stands. So, you know, you, you can make a number of arguments that uh, sort of justify it either way. Like I said, I, I I'm, I'm for consistency, but yes, it is also, purely about the money uh because uh you know for the same reasons that if kentucky ever comes around to uh sports gambling and uh marijuana either medical and or recreational uh usage it won't be about anything other than money because those are things that other states are doing and reaping the benefits of and i think at some point the sec said on this alcohol ban, this is silly. You know, there there are schools that are making a bunch more revenue by doing this. Let's be smart about it and get it done. Coming up next, we are going to talk about a football commit and preview another piece that Kyle has coming out. Uh, but before that, I do got to tell you guys a couple of things. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. 
get rewarded. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Kentucky on the new Himalayan podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. All right, guys, we got a new sponsor that I'm really excited about. Um, Kyle, uh, he snoozed and and lost. Snooze, snooze, you lose. What's the past tense of snooze? I don't know. Snows. <laughs> no one snows. No one snows what the past tense of snooze is. Anyway, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Twillery. How would you pronounce that, Kyle? T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y. Wait, Twillery? Twillery Twillery.com. They have fantastic shirts. Um, They're not wrinkling. They're not going to wrinkle. They're not going to sweat. Uh... Twillery makes stocking up on your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each with free shipping and returns. Try on some Twills risk-free. After all, feeling is believing. Um, You can go to... Twillery.com slash locked on. That's T W I L L O R Y.com slash locked on. And if you use the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, you get $25 off. And that's not all. I feel like I'm in an infomercial because right now we got a Father's Day special going on, deal going on top of this, and you can get free. A free set of bottle opener collars stays. All that. Go to twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on. Get you some good shirts, get a discount, and get a free prize. Check them out today. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Kyle, you used to cover Virginia Tech, which was a big-time football program. Uh, Back in the 40s when you were there, or whatever time it was, um, did they often get big time commits and then those commits would take other official visits? Uh, yeah, I mean, it happens. I, I think, I think that's part of, uh, swimming in the big pond, <laughs> you know, uh, if you're going to go after some of these top guys, it's kind of what happens. I mean, it's not even top guy. I mean, every, it's almost everybody, right? Everybody is changing their mind, the transfer market, the recruiting world. Uh, but I think especially when you talk about the, the elite, elite, elite players, um, you know, these top programs aren't going to stop recruiting them because they're coveted. And we talked about how coveted big men are on both sides of the line, offensive linemen and defensive linemen. They're sort of the backbone of your program. And so, yeah, when Kentucky got the number one ranked offensive li- offensive guard in America, a top 10 overall recruit, five-star guy from out of state in Michigan, there was – Almost no doubt that other schools were going to keep after him, and it seems like that has been the case now that Justin Rogers, I assume that's who you're talking about, uh, has said that he's going to take at least another official visit. Yes, that is who I'm talking about, Kyle. Good deduction, Sherlock. (laughs) Um, And I'm working on to try to figure out who he is taking this potential visit with. Uh, I guess, like, uh, just reading on social media, it kind of seems like it maybe is either Ohio State or Bama. Um, so, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where, obviously, this this goes, and we'll keep an eye on it going forward. But this is just kind of the way, as you said, Kyle, big-time 
football recruiting is. So if you want to if you want to swim in these waters, you gotta you gotta maneuver around some sharks. It just is what it is. Well, and uh, the other interesting piece of this that may or may not be related to the the news that Justin Rogers is going to take another visit is Vince Merrow, Kentucky's recruiting ace and recruiting coordinator, tweeted out uh, a subtweet, as it were, uh, saying something along the lines of, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed of supposed football powers that are starting to negative recruit against us. It's not going to work. Uh, that was interesting. So I don't know if that was related to that or to someone else that they're after because they're, they're in on a bunch of top guys this year and they're, they have a ton of recruiting momentum, um, and they are after some big fish. And, uh, you know, you start ruffling some feathers of those schools, and I guess they come after you. At least that's what Vince Merrill's trying to tell us is happening. I have th- I think we just crossed the line of animal um, metaphors or analogies or whatever we're using. I was talking about sharks. You were talking about fish. Then you go to ruffling the feathers. Um, so we'll stay away from those for the rest of this episode. But, yeah, the big dog, well, crap, I think I just made it. <laughs> Vince Mero, uh, I, yeah, I, I love when he gets fired up. The, these things, I always like, I don't know if you do this, guy. I don't do it with everybody. When I when I read one of his tweets, I read it in his voice. And it, like, yes. no matter what it says, it always makes me chuckle. Yes. No. I, I mean, he because he also tweets like he talks. And so... Uh, I, I would, like I would venture yeah. to guess uh, Vince Marrow is definitely a dude that does voice to text like on 99% of his things and just like yes. speaks it into his phone. <laughs> so I think most people of a certain age, if they know how to text at all, that's all they, that's the only way they know how. Yeah. And it's pretty funny to watch them do it. My dad gets so mad at Siri sometimes. We got lost trying to get somewhere and he goes, well, Siri just lied to me. We should have turned back there. <laughs> well, it's like uh, it's like what I think is the best scene in the office when Michael Scott follows the GPS into a lake. <laughs> yes, and like he's clearly driving into a lake, and like and uh, Dwight Trude is like, like we're going in the water. He's like, this is what it says to do. Oh <laughs> man, that is a good one. All right, uh, that's going to about do it for this edition of the show. Kyle has a piece coming out on Tyler Hero. I'll let him uh, briefly preview it, just give him a little bit, and then we'll talk about more um, on an edition later on this week. Yeah, if uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, you, it's probably already live on The Athletic, but it's the latest installment of the Exit Interview Series with parents of players who have uh, left Kentucky and are off to the NBA. We've already had... Uh, P.J. Washington, Reed Travis, and Kelvin Johnson's dads. And uh, the next piece is Tyler Hero's dad, Chris Hero. And he had some uh, really interesting stuff to say. Uh, his, I think his advice to parents, uh, I asked all of them, what would your advice to a parent of someone, of a player considering Kentucky be? Uh, and I thought his probably was the most interesting and extensive uh, advice to parents uh, the the short version version is back off <laughs> but uh, but you know it was I thought it was pretty thoughtful uh, and he joined the chorus of the uh, Kenny Payne uh, love fest all four all four dads named Kenny Payne as their most influential uh, person on the staff and I think Tyler Hero's dad took it to an extreme that no one else even came close Ooh. to so uh, it'll be you, you know, I'll leave that teaser 
right there. So, uh, as we wrap, the Warriors are about to take Game Two of the NBA Finals, and Demarcus Cousins had a fantastic game to this point. 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists in 26 minutes to this point. They're under 2 minutes now. He was a plus 15 and the plus minus. Pretty impressive. Uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more um, in this week because it was it was crazy to me. I saw so many people, so many quote-unquote NBA experts saying DeMarcus Cousins is unplayable. He's too slow to play against the Raptors. Well, somehow he was able to accomplish that tonight. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor, First Watch. Go check them out. Be sure to read Kyle's work, as he just mentioned, on The Athletic, and follow him on Twitter. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. You can hear me weeknight, 6 to 8 p.m., live on 630 WLAP on the Big Blue Insider, and Sunday mornings, 9 to noon, on Sunday morning sports talk on the exact same station. Please follow me at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H, and follow the show at Locked On UK, and then get over on Facebook and like our page and join the group and get all the information for our live upcoming remote on Wednesday at Grassroots Pharmacy. Thanks again, guys. Please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share this podcast if you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 